Welcome to the Be a Disciple, Make a Disciple podcast. Please follow us at www.bedisciplespodcast.org. Also check us out on Facebook, Be a Disciple, Make a Disciple, and on Instagram. And you will also find us on some of the podcast directories like iTunes, Spotify, and many others. Uh, Continue to look out for us and please share the podcast. The only way people can listen to this is if you tell them about it. So uh, we want people to be blessed by the conversations that we have uh, talking about Jesus Christ, the gospel, and just sharing it with as many people as possible. So as we do before each podcast, I'm going to kick it to my co-host Dakota Smith, and he's going to pray for us. All right, Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that uh, you get glory from this. Thank you, Lord, that there's an opportunity we have here through this vehicle on Zoom and through our recording, through this podcast, uh, to make your name. And thank you, God, that um, we have an opportunity to be a disciple and an opportunity to make disciples through this. We want to give you tonight's episode. We want to give you our guest speaker. We want to surrender all to you. And Lord, we don't want to get the glory for it. We want you to take over the show and we want your name just to be exalted. We love you so much, Jesus. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you that you rose again to give us new life. And we thank you, God, that you gave us an abundant life. Uh, help us today to be controlled by your spirit and just also be blessed by an amazing conversation with our guest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So as we promised last week, and we've mentioned this individual in our first two episodes, yep. uh, we have Tim Reed with us uh, for episode number three. Say hi, Tim. Hello, guys. What's Great up? Great to have you on the show, is, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> this is super awesome because <laughs> our podcast, yeah, our podcast is literally named uh, after a saying that we heard in college. Uh, Southwestern Bible College at the time, now Arizona Christian University, which was be a disciple, make a disciple, change the world. And so this is what this podcast uh, is about, is is doing that. And and we really want to take that and be able to have conversation about discipleship as as we've learned over time that this is the a really important piece of the church and of being a Christian. And uh, so Tim has, has come on uh, our show as our first guest ever to really talk about uh, what he's done his whole life and, and what he's been teaching students for a really long time. Yeah. Amen. So, yeah. So pretty much, Tim, if you kind of introduce yourself and and what what is it that you've been doing as a as a, um, a pastor, a campus pastor, a teacher, and all kinds of different things that you've done to, to share God's word. Yes. Yeah, great to be with you guys and proud of both of you and uh, the, the opportunity that you guys have to pastor and to be disciple makers out there uh, makes me proud and excited as a former teacher of yours and mentor of yours, um, as I pray for you guys each week and and just see what God is doing in your life. So it's my privilege. Uh, it's been about 40 years now uh, being in the pastoral ministry, wow. uh, the last 30 years at Arizona Christian University. And uh, we've raised our kids here. I've had uh, uh, just a, a great experience at this little university out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And it's been just a privilege to be able to to love students, to uh, get them into the word, to uh, help them develop their relationship with Christ, and then eventually become disciples and then disciple makers. Amen. 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 That's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and one of the first things I really wanted to ask you was, um, who discipled you? Because I think that is uh, 
pretty much going to be the start of where you started. How did you learn about Jesus and who discipled you at a young age to really kind of get to where you are now? Yes, it's a great question. And, uh, and I'm proud to say that it was my father. Um, many of the students that I deal with these last 30, 40 years um, didn't have that privilege that I had to have a good relationship with their dad or or their dad was distant or their dad left. And so I, I thank uh, God every day that I had a dad who was authentic, who uh, loved God, who loved the word of God, who loved the lost, who uh, uh, spent the majority of his life in, in serving others and making a difference. And, and in the midst of his busyness and all the stuff that he had going, he didn't uh, leave his kids behind. And, uh, so I had the chance to be led to faith by my dad and then discipled by my dad and then thrust out into ministry. And, and uh, on Christmas Day this, this past year, uh, I got to be with him as he was ushered into heaven. And uh, as we look back over nearly 85 years of his life um, and just how God used him in an unbelievable way and the multiplication of his discipleship is around the world. And so I'm very privileged to have a number of teachers and, and coaches and other youth pastors that made a difference in my life. But my dad was my central figure. And I thank him for that. Amen. Yeah, I think that that's you. I, I was thinking of that when you're talking about your dad is the multiplication that you talk about all the time. And I think about, you know, him discipling you and raising you and then the amount of people, him and you just telling people about Jesus and, and how, how much that has just grown and, and how true it is. And, and, you know, the, your, your guys' examples is showing what Jesus put in place to go and make disciples of the world and, and, uh, and how, how you can just see the blessings over and over and over again in the fruit of, of that work. Yeah. You bet. And from the lighter side, it's uh, usually us pastor's kids are usually the worst kids. <laughs> the worst kids <laughs> we joke about. But uh, we go through our times and have to find our way through the woods. But um, uh, no, we, I think it's like uh, whatever your dad does at first, you're not sure that you want to follow in that. Um, it takes you time to, to make your faith your own and, and he gave me room to make mistakes and to grow. And I think that's a lot of discipleship is just relational spending time. Um, uh, it's, it's what Jesus did. And a lot of people ask me, you know, why are you so into discipleship? And I always say, well, God commanded it in Matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations. Jesus modeled it for us in taking, um, he loved the masses, but he ministered to a few and really invested closely in a few. And then the New Testament church also modeled that as well. And so I picked that up in my own life to say, hey, I can't do everything well, but um, it's with God, it's more about your availability uh, and it's more about your faithfulness than it is about what type of abilities we have. And I think in our generation, we're caught up in the gifts and we're caught up in abilities. And and uh, sometimes we miss it that you know, and you guys learned that from me that, you know, I was honest with you about the things I do well and the things that I don't do so well. And sometimes we've got to learn to be happy in our own skin and realize that we're not going to be perfect. And God didn't choose angels to reach people. He chose people that um, have frailties and have problems and have weaknesses uh, to reach other people. And so it may not be a perfect plan, um, but it is his plan for people um, that are fallen to reach other people that are, that have fallen. So amazing, Tim, when you're talking, because I feel like I'm, I'm getting nostalgic right now. Um, I had, 
gotten born again when I was 17 and then came to Arizona Christian in 2007 as a, a freshman, just, you know, fresh being born again, 18 years old, one year saved. And I can remember the things you're talking about right now were some of the first, um, I guess you could say examples or uh, illustrations of discipleship I've ever heard. So when you just said, Jesus loved the masses, but ministered to a few, my mind just went, boof. Oh, I remember that from 13, 14 years ago. And it's so pivotal just to keep this practical wisdom in front of us because you're right. We're so interested in the gifts that we have forgotten faithfulness, you know? Yeah. One of the the things that we always joke about at Dakota and I do this and I, with all of, um, you know, Arizona Christian <laughs> alumni, when we get together, uh, when we talk about college, we talk about, you know, we went into Bible college to learn theology and, and to learn all of these mm-hmm. deep things, which are all really good stuff. But w- in ministry, when we're out doing ministry, we're like, you know what? Tim Reed was the smartest person there. He taught us how to do <laughs> ministry yep. practically when we get out and work <laughs> with students and families and all those things like that was that's the core of what we all do is is discipleship 101 that is that is what we all need and it's what we're all still growing in and it's the most important piece of ministry that I do today it's just being able to connect with people pray with people um and and share the gospel yeah. Well, that's great. It, well, I got some checks in the mail to both your ministries now for <laughs> that. But, uh, but uh, we need to for, send checks to you. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're Kickbacks. probably still paying off your school bill by now. Anyway, um, <laughs> hey, I'm done. You're done. done. That's great. Still going. Well, I tell you, you remember these a uh, few of these quotes, but my mentor Howard Hendricks used to say, "Who you are is more important than what you do." Who you are is more important than what you do. So become someone significant. What are you doing today to become someone significant? Which would include mentorship and discipleship and the spiritual disciplines. And yes, you guys are exactly right. Go deeper and further with masters and doctorate, whatever God has called you to do. But don't get away from the, the, the simple aspect of Jesus loves us. This we know. <laughs> and the Bible tells us. And we know that it's for the rich and the poor and then then the intellectual and the not so much. Um, let's keep it where it's at. And, uh, and, you know, a quote you heard me use a lot was, you know, they don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And a lot of yeah. times in our society, everybody's into the doctorates, into the, the knowledge aspect. And our neighbors don't care about that as much as they see that we care about them, show the love of Christ and minister to them. So I got into discipling because of these very things. I wanted to become someone significant. So I wanted to have someone holding me accountable and I wanted to um, hold others accountable. And you guys remember this concept of that's important for all of us today, whether it's as a pastor or layperson in the church, is that we need a Paul in our life, someone who's older and further down the path that can ask the hard questions, that can push us and, and answer our questions and grow us. We need a Timothy in our life, someone who's younger in the faith, that we can uh, kind of help in the simple um, baby steps of them coming along, like that first year that you were talking about coming to faith. And then a Barnabas, somebody around our age that is an encourager that goes through life with us to help us through the tough times. Those kind of mentoring relationships make a huge difference. It's great if it can be a father or mother or some type of family member, but 
most people would tell you that it's very important that you have a coach or a teacher or a pastor or somebody that's investing in you, um, taking you through and into the word and uh, helping you through this process of becoming someone significant. Yeah, I think one of one of those past students that that really connects all three of us, uh, on, I think on a pretty deep level, was Chris Williams. Um, yes, and he went to he was just a, just a little older than than Dakota and I by like a year, um, yeah. and uh, a good friend to can't to, wait to see him one day. Yeah, and, and a good friend to Dakota and I in different ways. To, Chris was I hunted with Chris and his dad, and and went out and, and we went to school together, but we hunted a lot. And and one thing that I remember about Chris more vividly than anything else is his in, he was so intentional about his questions. And about, you know, you know, speaking into my life when we went hunting, we didn't just talk about hunting. You know, he intentionally asked me questions about my life, my spiritual life, where I was at, how's ministry going? You know, he wanted to know and he wanted to speak into my life for those things. And so I think that is one thing about discipleship or having those friends that are that have, you know, that intention to speak, uh, you know, the good news into your life and to be an encourager. And that's what Chris was to me. Uh, and I'll always yeah. remember that. And I, when, every day I go hunting or fishing, he, he he's right there with me. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of Chris and I'm, and I'm reminded of discipleship. I have great memories of Chris, as I do of you two, um, just teaching him, mentoring him, helping him get into his first full-time ministry and then helping him get uh, to his, uh, which ended up being his final ministry there. I still speak with Raquel. She's such a strong survivor uh, God has used her in a great way. But what's been so exciting for me, uh, even uh, though it took me a long time to get over Chris's death um, and start to work through the process, what's helped me the most is running into people he's discipled and how they're carrying on his legacy. Wow. And then watching Joshua grow up, um, who's the same age as my grandson, and they actually... Um, were born. Uh, my grandson was born in the Philippines, and and Joshi was born here on the same day. And I remember wow. my my daughter calling from the Philippines, and then Chris calling me that morning, uh, saying that Josh was born. And uh, so so Joshua and Liam will always have this tie of being born on the same day. Um, they're going to uh, uh, turn seven together this summer, and um, and then just seeing these other people. Uh, th- Chris's multiplication in a short life was amazing. And that's why I'm a little, I promised Raquel and, and Chris's parents to keep his legacy alive of the importance of loving students, investing in stu- students, rubbing off on students, and then seeing them go out and, and change the world as well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I was telling Dakota today that, that that's sobering. Yeah. in in college, Chris would just do the simple things. It, it wasn't, it wasn't anything, you know, spectacular, creative. It was just, hey, Kyle, there's this new rock CD coming out at the Christian store. Hey, you want to go with me? Um, and really, that was just to get me alone to talk to me and to see how I was yeah. doing. And it wasn't, yeah. it was just, and, and I knew that's what he was doing. He was just loving me. Um, and there's life on life. Yeah, that's that's all it yes. was. Mm-hmm. And and that's a great principle um, from a simple verse. Uh, I mean, it's modeled all through the Gospels. Um, in Dakota, you teach the Gospels, so you know, and actually both of you do a lot of teaching of, of the Word. But 
And uh, I always tell people, if you have time, study the harmony of the Gospels and take a look at Jesus' life, and it'll totally revolutionize your own. As you come closer with Jesus, we, we see our sin. We, we see the need of forgiveness. We see uh, the hope that's in a relationship with him, that it's not just about church. And recently, we've seen that it's not just about being in a church building. Uh, the church uh, is us and, and God living in us, and, and it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, to go out and live and share the faith and to help people out, be creative in meeting the needs of people today. But John 3.22 was a simple one where Jesus uh, took his disciples into the wilderness, and, and the, the actual phrase is spending time, spending time with his disciples. Uh, in the original, um, it talks about, it's, a, it's an actual uh, Greek word that's diatribal, which diatribal basically means rubbing off process, getting under the skin. In other words, you're getting close enough to someone that you're rubbing off on them, and that what Jesus did was he spent time with them hiking and and uh, and near the water and and doing recreational types of things. And he took uh, someone with him just about everywhere he went, so that they could ask questions and they could talk scripture, they could talk Old Testament, they could talk about uh, how to love people, how to minister to the needs of people, how not to judge people, um, how to. Uh, help people that have been burnt by the church, help people that are that are hurt from relationships or whatever it might be. And so I encourage our listeners to allow someone close enough to you that uh, just as this diatribal uh, word is used to get under the skin or to rub off that if people aren't close, they're not going to rub off on you. And you want these Pauls in your life that can rub off on you. And then the same thing, if you don't get close to your Timothy, how are they going to see uh, what real Christianity and authentic Christianity is all about? We don't have to be perfect for these people, yeah. but we got to get close enough. Um, so I encourage our, our listeners to get close in a mentoring relationship, discipling relationship, and allow this diatribal process, this rubbing off, getting under the skin, spending time. So I always think about that, spending time rubbing off, spending time rubbing off, getting close enough to where they can make an impact on us and where we can make an impact on them. And, you know, along those same lines, that, I mean, that is such a good word, Tim. Along those same lines, whoever you spend time with will rub off on you for the better or for the worse. You know, you'll be a disciple or become a disciple of someone inevitably. So what matters is that you're being rubbed off by someone who's walking and talk, you know, walking the, uh, the talk with Jesus. So just that whole that whole attitude of understanding everybody has the capacity to influence someone, but we got to make sure we find people that are going to influence us for the better. Yeah, and especially for our younger listeners, um, yes, you need to realize that bad company corrupts good morals. Who you hang around with is who you become like. Uh, we need to be involved, and not again around angels or perfect people, but around people that when they blow it, they admit it, and we see how to handle. Uh, things of life. Um, there's a great quote from Howard Hendricks that says, uh, you impress people from a distance, you impact them up close. Wow. You impress them from a distance. We have a lot of people in, in you know, professional sports and in the movie theater, uh, you know, in the movies or in, in professional music and, and, and all of these things that are very high uh, celebrity types of people. These are great. They, they help us, they, but they impress us from a distance. Mm -hmm. The people that are going to make a difference 
are going to be the people closest to you, which is going to be your coach, your teacher, your pastor, your youth pastor, um, the mentor. And I jokingly say to, uh, to you guys what I said to my kids. I, I told my kids as they got to be teenagers, I said, dad's going to stop preaching at you as soon as you find a good mentor. And then there was a storm and leaving my house as they were running out to find a mentor really fast. So I would stop preaching at them. And, uh, but there is something to say that, uh, you know, when you have someone other than a parent who's crazy about you and involved in your life, it does make an impact um, because not everybody has the privilege um, or had the privilege that I had to have well, parents like us. Yeah. And I think about um, Dakota and I are, are now parents. Um, you know, Dakota has three. I, I have not, not together, not but together. Yeah, you you have, know, yeah. I have kids, you have kids. Um, you have three kids and you I have, have one who's, you know, eight yeah. weeks old. So, you know, I haven't really got to too much parenting yet, but, um, I do think of like what you said when, you know, as, as a parent, if you don't, um, really teach them to, to go get a mentor or, or what that mentor should look like, and, and they're going to yeah. go find a mentor that they shouldn't have, or that shouldn't, it isn't an example of Jesus. So it's, you know, teaching them what that mentor is supposed to look like and what you're supposed to be learning from them. And those sort of things is important as a parent. So they just don't go out and find some random person that's teaching them all kinds of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in, what I love about you being a parent too, is, is uh, you've had some experience with other people's kids now too. And I think it's going to help you, but also you're going to see that it's going to reshape your ministry and how you viewed parents yeah. and, and how you looked at parenting for both of you. Um, because as you know, the definition of a child psychologist is someone who's never had a kid before. And so you're, <laughs> you're always going to, to have these great ideas about things until you actually are in the trenches. Yeah. And now yeah. you have a chance to realize, wow, um, when my grandson looks over the my seat and says, isn't the speed limit 35, Papa? <laughs> um, and then you realize that the Holy Spirit comes in different sizes. <laughs> and, uh, so lots of things yeah. that happen in our life when it comes to that. But, but anyway, people ask me all the time, um, you know, is there a certain book? Is there a certain, you know, uh, plan and everything? And, and a lot of times, you know, we, it, it, both are good. One is, to meet with someone once a week or twice a month and, and go through a book. And, and I tend to like workbooks where they have to read the scripture and then write the answers to questions. I think that's great. There's a lot of great materials for discipling people out there. And, uh, but also I think um, you, you used to hear me say, don't go anywhere alone. You know, if you're going to the store, you're going to fix the tire, you're going to, you know, a game or, you know, you guys know I go to thousands of games and concerts and things like that to hang out with students, to meet their girlfriends and boyfriends and to meet uh, their family or to be the only family that's at their game and to pray with them and encourage them. And uh, we can use the opportunities that are out there. I think I remember somebody saying at the college one time, oh, we have these spiritual activities with Bible study, prayer and worship. And then we have these other activities like sports and music and things like that. And I used to kind of didn't want to correct them, but frankly, it makes me mad because my bottom line is this, all these activities have the potential to be spiritual, uh, have uh, the potential to be life-changing. I pray with kids at games before and after, during, 
I counsel kids and their family members at the same time. Um, one of the things that I remember from leaving a church in Tucson uh, with a little over nine years as a youth pastor down there, they put a video together of my wife and I to say thank you. And as we watched the two or three hour video, it was interesting. Not one kid ever mentioned a talk that I gave during my, my time in those years at the church. And I'll tell you, I had some good talks once in a while. You know? <laughs> as, uh, as Tony Campolo used to say, uh, one time I was so good, I wanted to take notes on myself. But, uh, but jokingly, I put that aside for, you know, not to say that my teaching and preaching of the word wasn't good or because, as you know, the word says what? It never returns void. So it made a huge difference in that decade in these kids' lives as I uh, would creatively teach the word of God and put it into their minds and hearts and, and see their faith grow and see their lives go. But what's interesting, what they remembered from our time there was, thank you for coming to my game. Thank you for being there when my dad died. Thank you for being there when my parents divorced. Thank you for being there at the hospital with me uh, for the car after my car wreck. And I, and I began to go through the list. And, you know, when you put down the qualities of a pastor or a leader, it, it's a tough job because everybody has high expectations. But every year, every denomination, every survey always comes out the same with uh, hundreds of qualities that people want from their pastor. Uh, the big one is they want to know that they care, that they empathize, that they sympathize, that they listen, that they care about that. But we're so caught up in we've got to lead with vision and we've got to be a tremendous smart pastor teacher. We've got to do that. All of those are fine. But what these people want is someone that will care for them. These are sheep that need love and encouragement and prayer and people to come alongside and rub off uh, Jesus on them so that they get excited about the faith and see there's hope in Christ, hope for the world, hope that needs to be shared. And as we spill that on them and our enthusiasm becomes their enthusiasm, they see and then turn around and meet the needs of their community as well. Yeah. I, amen. Yeah. That's amen. humbling. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I think of just like you said, the things I remember about uh, college, about being on campus, is you, Tim Reed, stopping me and saying, "Hey, can I pray for you right now?" I mean, those are the things that that I yeah. vividly remember. There's tons of other stuff I don't remember, um, but those are the moments where I'm like, he he stopped me and said, "Hey, Kyle, I want to pray for you right now." Not knowing, well, part of that is he saw your grades. Probably. And stuff. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You guys were always way up on the grade chart. I think what I was worried about with you guys is um, some of our students are more intellectual and, and are smarter, but then you worry, you know, is it going to get down to their heart? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and to watch it happen in you guys was awesome. And other students, I have to work on their discipline to get them to realize that. Uh, books aren't really that bad, and you don't break out if you if you read them. Um, and uh, so it's it's like you have the group of people that are people people, and then you have the people that are more uh, bookworms, you know. And 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 Jesus is calling us to grow in our knowledge of Him, but also to understand uh, people and to love them and care for them. And you've heard this uh, before, both of you too, about. Um, there's a group of people in the Bible called the Bereans 
that were honored because of their study of the word. And I always looked at you two as, uh, and a lot of our biblical studies people as Bereans who really knew the word of God. And I think that is so, so key in a strong faith and in teaching the faith. But also there is a group of people called the men of Iskar, Issachar, um, however you pronounce that, men of Iskar. And it says that they knew the times, that they knew the culture, that they knew how to take the faith into the culture. And sometimes as Christians, we bowl over the culture or we look down on the culture or we try too hard to um, chastise the culture instead of transforming the culture with the power of Jesus Christ in them. Instead of trying to change people, we're, we're bringing Christ to them and allowing his power to change their lives. And I think that's a huge balance for disciple makers is know the word and be disciplined like the Bereans, but also understand the culture and be able to relate the word to the present culture and to love the people in that culture. Yeah. Amen. And Paul did that. You know, Paul saw the culture and, and he gave them the message in the midst of the culture. Yep. Yeah, the Mars Hill experiences were so good That's where it. he could dialogue with the things of the world at that time, the philosophies, the songwriters, the poets, you know, the philosophers. That that was a great experience for Paul. So, Tim, I have a question, and uh, Kyle and I were just talking about this earlier, but if let's put ourselves into a hypothetical situation for a moment. Yeah. And let's say, you know, you know you're going to have an incoming class of freshmen uh, coming to you from when you receive them to when they go out and when they graduate, what are some things that you want to see happen in their life right away and then happen in, in their life over those four years? That's great. That, it's, uh, we used to always say that you begin with the end in mind. And this was written in actually uh, stolen from different people, but, but especially in the book, uh, seven habits of highly effective people years ago. And, uh, and I always would tell pastors and youth pastors and, and teachers to um, realize that we spend a lot of time putting together materials. But what we need to do is go to the end first and, and ask the very question that you're asking. What, what do we want coming out the other end? What, is a, uh, what difference would it make if every pastor, teacher, um, Youth pastor, everybody got together and put it together a description of a discipled student by the time they finished junior high or by the time they finished high school four years, four years of college or whatever. Or even as an adult, what do you want uh, an adult to know four years after they've sat in the pew at your church? And I think we need to begin with the end in mind and put together uh, three categories, know, feel and do. Uh, the knowledge aspect, what would we like them to know? What did we want them to feel passionate-wise? Um, their love for God, love for others, that kind of thing. Um, and then what skills would we want them to develop? So that's the, the shell, the scaffolding for the answer to my question. To answer your question more directly, um, much of it is the classes that you took while you were there. Um, when you go through a, a particular area, uh, you two took probably 40 some hours in biblical types of classes and ministry types of classes. 
I think that's awesome. But you learned from small groups in the dorm, from us pushing you to the church and being in a church setting, um, for us to push you out into the area of giftedness and music for some of you and sports for others of you and those kinds of areas where your talents lie uh, to be pushed out into those areas. But I think what you and I really want is we want a, an overall, you know, solid understanding of the word of God. We would like that then to stir and grow their faith and cause them to want to be mentored. And then that would stir them to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength in their neighbor as themselves. And that they would learn then to disciple others, that they would find their gifts and then begin to develop their gifts and use it within the church and parachurch ministries. And then regardless, a lot of people ask me why I use the phrase, be a disciple, make a disciple, as opposed to others. And it's because we change majors. Some drop out of school. Some are married, some are single, some are married and have no kids, some are married with kids. Some are going to be business majors and behavioral health majors. If we make this just about someone being a pastor or a youth pastor or a missionary, we're missing the boat. God has not called us to that. He's called us to love with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he's called us to make disciples. And we can do that as a single person, as a married, as a business major as a Bible major. And so that's why I was trying to get it through to people who were thinking, well, I guess I got to be a missionary or I guess I got to be a pastor. No, whatever God calls you to, you can love God and love others and disciple the world in that particular area. So uh, as you know, this question has tons of answers to it. But I would, I would really push the no feel do, and that would be the knowledge of the word and the knowledge of the culture, and then the feeling of passion, of, of love for God and love for others, and then the skills of the doing part that would come out that comes in a lot of, you know, a lot of times I would tell you, I don't know if you're going to remember a lot of what I say in class, but the internship will make all the difference in the world when you're out there actually doing ministry and seeing people cry and hurt and you pray and you get them to a counselor, you get help for them, you help the poor, you do whatever, you're in the trenches of, of what real ministry is about. So you move beyond the knowledge. So no feel do, no feel do, put that down on paper, then put together your classes and your curriculum so that it produces that type of disciple or learner that you would have coming out the other end. Amen. Amen. Great response. Great response. All right. So one of the, one of the things that kind of brought up this, the creation of this podcast that Dakota and I were discussing really is, you know, we've been in ministry for a little while, um, at least, you know, over 10 years now and either serving in some capacity whether that's youth ministry, college ministry, you know, Dakota is now a, a lead pastor at a church and, and kind of just those different roles as, as we've really seen the struggle of, you know, discipleship in a church, in a church setting. Uh, I know in college it's, it's, uh, 
I think as a student, you know, you're getting to know people and, and you're learning and growing and you're, you're just kind of soaking it all in. And then you, you get out into the world and, and you, and you get into maybe a ministry job or whether that's, or maybe not a ministry job. I have a, an, another job as well outside of ministry. So you get into the real world environment, the day to day, the busy, um, and you, you kind of look at the church and go, I don't, I don't really see the discipleship happening um, the way that I, I think it should be happening. And, and cause I think about, I see small churches that never grow and I, and I get, I'm like, I mean, if you just shared Christ with one person a year, you would grow. I, I don't really, so what's happening here. And I think that's a struggle. So as a, as a pastor, what well, kind of one of those questions is how do I teach discipleship in a church setting? Um, and, and I know I can do it by example, by showing and by discipling people, but I'm one person when I'm trying to teach a, a whole youth group or a whole congregation on how to disciple. Yeah. And sometimes it's easier uh, around the world uh, because in, in China, if you're committed to Christ, um, you know, it, it could mean your life at times and at least imprisonment. Um, but the church of, of Christ in China is, is booming in these small secret little churches and even before the wall came down years ago, um, Christianity grew behind the Iron Curtain. It's growing in Korea and it's growing in, in Africa and other places uh, because there, um, you know, we don't want to hear it in America, but persecution and, uh, you know, there just isn't any flaky Christians because <laughs> why would you be a flaky Christian if there's a chance you could lose your life, yeah. you know, or yeah. go to jail? So there's no authentic Christianity that's going on. So I, I know we don't want that answer for this question of great discipleship goes on with great persecution. But it's true. Um, but in a way, I think as the three of us have studied the, the church around the world, I, we know exactly what I'm talking about. Is that it's, you know, it, it, it clears the deck, so to speak. It, it gets rid of the flakes, um, the fire escape type of people. And uh, there's a difference between someone who just wants to believe and someone who wants to be a disciple. But to bring it into the American church, I think you're exactly right, is not to worry about numbers. Um, I had pastors that come to me and say, well, I don't have a lot of deacons or elders. And I said, well, let's have a pre-deacon, pre-elder program um, where we begin to train them and uh, how to be a servant leader and begin to disciple them and deal with their issues of the past and help them to fall in love with God and, and develop their disciplines and things like that. And maybe at the end of this training, um, this discipleship process, um, not all of them want to be a deacon or an elder or leader in the church, but we've helped them deal with their past and help them a little further along the discipleship process. So I don't get caught up in numbers, never have, never will. Uh, the only thing that I like about numbers is with every number is a person and every person has a name. And, uh, and if I can't remember their name, I just call them buddy. But anyway, the, uh, the process we, is... We know, Tim. That, yeah. We were called buddy once. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, buddy. And uh, so it's one of those things where you say to yourself, hey, um, if they're willing, and that's part of discipleship, you're asking them, would you be willing to commit to once or twice a month in a training uh, process well, I don't know if I could teach a youth group. Well, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, would you be willing to, to be discipled and to maybe down the road be prepared for some type of leadership? 
but that's what people only see. They, they think of ministry strictly as preaching, teaching, and music. That's all they think about. They forget there's a hundred other places to use the gift that they have within the church of Jesus Christ. And so we have to disciple them first and then help bring them along. So yeah, the summers are busy and most of my laymen are so busy at their job. I, I don't want to ruin all of their Saturday. A lot of people say, well, have them come to the church on Saturday. So I'd rather have them with their kids on Saturday and, and having a date night with their wife so that they'd have a strong marriage. But there can be a time and some groups are doing it early in the morning. And, and uh, I always laugh that, well, they don't want to get up early in the morning. Well, when they go hunting, what time do they go? <laughs> what, you know, when they go fishing, what time do they go? You know, what yeah. time... When they go out, it's at five o'clock in the morning, but um, can't go to a, a church meeting at 11 o'clock, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, <laughs> just jokingly. But but my thing is, yeah, you pray about it. You identify a few of the ones that you feel like uh, could do it and then let them choose. And then you begin to take them through the materials and uh, and do it in, in different age categories so that they have a chance to rub off on each other and um, have a chance to. Uh, encourage one another so they don't feel alone in in the questions that they have. Tim, I have, uh, and I, I'm sure maybe we're coming to a close in the interview, and maybe we have a few more questions as we start landing the plane, but you've always done so well with object lesson teaching. In other words, uh, I mean, I have talked with so many people over the years who can recall what you taught them in class by what they saw. For the listeners, can you encourage them on some of the things you've done to be creative with your messages, you know, some of your, your pillar messages, what are some creative things that you do? Yeah. I, what I started to do was early on in my ministry, I realized that um, I bump into somebody and they would say, Oh yeah, that was the funny speaker or, Oh, that guy, he got really excited about. And, and then I knew down deep that if I asked them the next question of, do you remember anything that I talked about? They probably couldn't remember. But it's kind of like a wicker basket illustration. And that is this. If I ask you to pour water into a wicker basket, you would laugh and you would say the water goes through the wicker basket. And if I kept telling you to keep pouring the water and you would say, why am I pouring the water? You know, what's happening? Well, after a while, I would say to you, um, Dakota, you know, how much water is retained in the wicker basket? And you would say, not very much. And I would say to you, Yes, but we have one heck of a clean wicker basket. <laughs> and we have continually poured the water, the word through people, mm -hmm. and it's cleaned them out. It's also faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word. Sometimes we feel like they retain very little, but the word does not return void, and God uses that. But I feel like when I started using object lessons, like a little tater, I'd, I'd tell everybody, here's a potato, everybody's a tater. Are you a hesitator, a commentator, or are you an imitator <laughs> of God? And people would remember that for years later about being an imitator of God. So it helped them remember that. I taught a lesson off a life cereal box. And uh, I'm still working on Captain Crunch with Crunchberries because I really like that. <laughs> but um, I've used every kind of object when I go uh, shopping. I look at the different... Uh, I've done a deal with Joy Dishwashing Liquid. Um, no offense to you, Dawn lovers. <laughs> uh, the joy that comes with Jesus, others, you, 
when you your life is clean through the blood of Christ, the joy that comes when you're renewed. And I'd start using these different, you know, object lessons out there, a tennis racket for, you know, love God and serve others. You know, love, love is what you say in the as you're bouncing the tennis ball and ready to serve in the tennis match. And you serve other people out of love. When I start using all these crazy different object lessons, uh, the Bible as a love letter, different things like that, people would remember and it would drive them back to the word of God and the Holy Spirit would use those objects. Um, your old teacher would always say, a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, there you go. Is It would help people remember. And, and then I started to realize I'd speak all over the country at camps and still do to this day. And But when I would speak to adults and use objects, they still loved it. Uh, because it helped them tie together and they would see it later and oh that's the mirror oh that's right God's word is a mirror I look into it to see what God sees it's just crazy the uh, recall that comes with something that's visible I remember you used a cow tongue as well yeah and a ship and uh, those are objects I'd never forget you yeah, know. who's the lord of your ship? And then yep. the cow tongue, you know, uh, how powerful the tongue is and and yet how small it is compared to the body. There's so many different things. And what's funny is people go, where do you come up with those? And and a lot of them are just right straight out of scripture. You know, yep. Jesus used a lot of uh, storytelling and, and uh, people would always say to me, you know, you need to use more Greek and Hebrew. And I say, I always throw something into the deep end of the pond. Um, but uh, if you watch what Jesus did, he took the complex and made it simple and made it practical. And one of the arguments I always had was I'd love to have students walk out of my class going, wow, if God can use that guy, he can use me. Instead of them walking out of my class going, man, that guy's smart. He's a genius, man. I, I could never be like him. He's so talented. He's whatever. And the good thing is I didn't have to worry about that aspect. <laughs> in my life, but it was harder than you know <laughs> that uh, that like you guys said, sometimes um, you know taking the complex and making it simple is really what needs to happen in the world today as we bring down discipleship to relational discipling, rubbing off, loving people, bringing Jesus to them, and then allowing them to go out and multiply and rub off on other people. Amen. Amen. One of the another question that I had was just kind of around being uh, your, as an as an adult in a church. Say somebody who's not in a formal ministry position; they're just attending a church. They've got a family. They're working fifty, sixty hours a week. You know, just kind of going through, you know, life as we all do. Um, and when we talk to them about making disciples, and and you know, a lot of people, I don't have time to make a disciple. I I work all week. I, I then I have my family, and then I have these responsibilities. So. So how do we pick someone to disciple? How do we fit discipleship? Like, how do we kind of structure that? Because um, that American lifestyle of working, 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 and and then, you know, then you have, you know, 10 minutes with your family and then go to church and then back to work again. And, and I think just that busyness. So how do we balance that and find those people to disciple? That's a great question. And what I tell businessmen all the time is, it, at first I, I ask them, are there any Christians at your work? Um and usually someone's from the church or someone there. Um, could you meet with them, you know, a couple times a month at lunch and uh, and just do your 
you know, little discipleship time, answering questions time at that time. Um, and that can go either way. That can go with someone at your work that's older than you in the faith or someone, you know, you know, with older adults, I would say that's going to be someone younger that they could meet with. The second group that I would say is most of us are doing something on the side, either coaching or mentoring, or we have grandkids or we have our own kids or, or um, what I did, as you guys know, for a while is took in foreign exchange students, international students when my kids were gone uh, for a ministry, um, looking for options and opportunities of, of uh, uh, adopting uh, out of the system right now is a very important thing. Um, dealing with, you know, I always, you know, it's always God first, but we use that concept of family first kind of thing of taking care of the family members. I'm, I'm trying to spend more time recently with my kids and grandkids. And, um, and so my, I'm renewing my friendship with my 30-ish age kids um, at a different level um, because they've been spread out around the world. Um, and then I'm trying to invest in, in those four grandkids in these early stages of life. And so the, the way to look for this is, is really we're tripping over it. It's in our work. It's where we coach. It's, it's where we do music lessons. It's where it's right in our home. It's our babysitting time. And, and we just look at it in a more purposeful way in how we're teaching kids. And everybody thinks it has to be a formal school thing. But um, a lot of it is just uh, a natural kind of thing. So I always say when we pray and we identify and we let God run people across our paths, it's amazing what begins to happen when it comes to, wow, I got the time to be able to do this. But I do, again, come back to, as you guys know, um, I've been married almost 40 years, and I love my wife, and she's been a big part of this whole uh, ministry role that we've been on. And um, But we still have our date nights. We still focus on our marriage. We still... Um, read and pray. We still hike together. We still uh, go out, you know, on just more than dates, but on trips together and things like that. Um, we've got to keep our marriages strong and, and, and focus on our kids. I, I, I swore that I wasn't going to reach the world and lose my own children. And so investing that my kids um, are going to make bad choices at times and not be perfect. And that comes from their mother's side, obviously, but uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, the, the situation basically is that we're going to help as much as we can with the people that are closest to us. So yeah, it's a great question. And then as a pastor, each one of you can say, you know what, if, if they're really stumbling and struggling, you can help place people together that you think would be the right personality. Some of you remember because my personality is so crazy and quirky, I would send people from my department to be discipled by other people because I know my personality would probably drive them crazy. And um, just kind of like we're facing right now, the introverts are loving this quarantine. For those of us that are over talkers and ex, you know, <laughs> you know, we're extroverts. We're we're thinking this is just south of hell and uh, <laughs> it's tough on us and stuff. But personality differences are good. And it's like I used to tell you guys, don't just learn from one teacher at the school. All these teachers will 
throw something into um, the pie that will help you in the long run. And uh, But what we tend to do is if we like something, then we get too much of that instead of being well-rounded, well-thought-through people. And uh, so anyway, I know we're getting close here, but I, I just want to say again as, as a teacher, pastor, mentor, friend, um, love you guys, proud of you guys, pray for you guys. You're, you're impacting and changing the world one life at a time. Uh, don't get discouraged. You guys stay strong. Keep building into people's lives, teaching the word, um, going to games, going to activities, um, you know, spending time, rubbing off with people. Uh, you guys are making a difference, and, and many of your classmates are, are doing the same thing around the world. And, and I'm looking forward to, to uh, uh, my travels in the future of seeing a lot of our grads around the world and seeing what they're doing to, to make a difference in the culture out there. Amen. Hey, real quick, is Dixie there with you? Is your precious wife there with you? He's uh, hiding back here somewhere. Why? Can, can I say hi to her real quick? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Hello. Hey. Great How to see you. It's you wanna... good to see you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, yes, fond memories of you and, and the, your group, you know, back then yeah. and uh, with Tara and everything. I even told know. TJ that we were going to be talking with you tonight. He said to say hi. Oh, <laughs> tell him I said hi and tell Tara hello as well. Yeah, they're doing well, and uh, God is working, so keep praying. Amen. Well, Tim, can you uh, pray us out and pray for our listeners and pray just for this show to continue to carry that heart of being a disciple, making a disciple? We don't want to be too complex. We just want this show to encourage others to do exactly the things that you taught us tonight. You bet. Father God, we're thankful, first of all, for who you are, Mm -hmm. for what you are doing and for who we are in you. Thank you for our identities in you, not in what we do. Thank you that we were sinners, we were dead in our sins, and now we're alive unto Christ because of what Jesus did in his life, his death, his burial, and resurrection. Thank you that we can, uh, that it's not just about church or religion, it's about a relationship with with Jesus uh, through your son that we can know you, God, and we thank you for that. Thank you for your word that we would be in it and allow and immerse ourselves in it. And Lord, help us to look for opportunities to be mentored ourselves and uh, to be held accountable so that we can live holy lives. And Lord, that we would look for others that we can minister to and, and share the message of hope, the gospel, the good news um, that changes lives. And Lord, we thank you uh, that we can minister to the poor, we can minister to the hurting, we can minister to those that are struggling right now. Lord, we pray for uh, a real moving of your spirit. People are depressed right now. People are, are thinking of suicide. Think, people are, uh, have lost their jobs, lost their loved ones. Lord, we, we don't understand this whole thing, but we know that being stripped of everything that we believe in and that we count on, uh, it brings us back that there's only you and only you that we can trust and depend on. And so we pray that the moving your spirit would heal and would bring hope and, and bring purpose. And we thank you in the powerful name of Jesus Christ as we experience this being disciples that make disciples that change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are truly grateful, Tim. We love you so much. Yep. Thank you, Tim. You we guys. appreciate it.
Good. Well, you have a great one and uh, keep loving those kids of yours. Keep uh, taking your wife on on date night and putting it on my bill. Okay. We'll send that to you. <laughs> hey, Tim, we're also going to put this on Facebook. So if you wouldn't mind, would you share share it with your friend group and do all that for us if we send it your way? Yeah, I'll put your part on it, but I don't know about <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Tim. You have a good one, yep, guys. You too. Bye, 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 Tim. Bye. Bro, that was amazing. That was awesome, wasn't it? Man, he's just like a, a wellspring of, of knowledge. It's really humbling when you think you know a lot and then just even such simple messages are spoken with such depth and uh, you know life application, something he's actually living. It's like, man, am I living that way? I think so, but I want to be where he's at, you know? Yeah, I think it's a, I mean, all of that's just kind of like a, a flashback, um, a great yeah. reminder of, of the many things that we've learned yeah. and uh, and just kind of a blessing it is to get that refresher. And I hope listeners, you guys out there kind of, if you've heard him before, you've maybe you're a, an alumni of, of Southwestern or Arizona Christian that you can kind of get rejuvenated with that, with uh, Tim's uh, words tonight. And, and if you're a new listener, I hope that you're encouraged um, through his words and and that you can kind of see the the spirit of this of where this podcast is kind of founded in and in that we just want to share Christ with others because uh, you know for one uh, his love is 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 like no other it is the love of all love and and just the his death and resurrection and the blood that covers us um, just how freeing that is and and what what that looks like and why we want to make disciples. It's because we want everyone to know Jesus uh, because that's what this life is. I want to live this life for Jesus. I want to get to heaven and him say, well done, good and faithful servant, um, which is another professor's, you know, saying all the time uh, from, from Arizona Christian. And, and, and it's just, you know, it's just a great reminder and a refresher to, to, to have those, these conversations and remember and, and encourage us and push us forward. You know, the, the thing that stood out to me uh, more than anything else in the conversation is just, and, and this kind of encapsulates the whole thing, the fact of the matter is, as we were speaking about Chris Williams, you know, he's able to see the legacy that he left and how many lives uh, Chris has impacted that's now multiplying going forward. And then also he spoke about it with his father. I mean, his father invested in him. And now he's reached so many other people for 40 years of ministry. I wonder what that's going to be like when we get to heaven. And that's what we have to present to Jesus. Uh, what we'll have is our faithfulness to present to Jesus. And what we will have is the people that we invested in. So, it, you know, it's amazing to me, Kyle, when we look at the Great Commission, when Jesus said, go and make disciples, how you could not want to be a part of that and how you could not make that your life purpose. Because when you do, what you're going to receive one day in return is is unspeakable. I mean, the riches of knowing Christ and seeing the benefit of your ministry, that's going to be a day that uh, is undescribable right now to us. Amen. Amen. So as we uh, kind of wrap up uh, our third episode, uh, we will continue in the in the book of Revelation with the with the last three churches. Uh, next episode, episode four, 
Um, I don't, I think we're, we're about at an hour. And so this has kind of been our longest one. And we want to, um, you know, we want to be able to spend a lot of time uh, in those three churches and continue that conversation and learn. So next week, episode four, we will continue that. But uh, this won't be our uh, last interview that we have. We've got some other people coming Anymore. up. Uh, stay tuned. Um, you know, more more people around education. Um, you know, some of our some of our closest friends that we've lived life with um, that can you know speak more encouragement into into hopefully your lives as they have in ours. And so uh, we'll continue from time to time to have people on and and just share their life and, and what they're doing when it comes to discipleship. And I'm excited for those opportunities in the future and and just great to have these conversations. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I know that soon uh, we hope to have Dr. Reggie's Wenyika on here, a solid, faithful, born-again Christian man who's the president at Ottawa University here in Ottawa, Kansas. Um, we look forward to having C.L. Mitchell, Pastor C.L. Mitchell, on the show as well. Uh, there will be a number of guests that we have on here, but at the end of the day, what each of these men have in common is their love for Jesus. These are incredible men, but they're incredible because of Jesus himself. Yeah, and, and I think um, we probably shouldn't leave out C.L. Mitchell's wife uh, because she oh, is man. she uh, uh, just an amazing godly woman. And, and the time that uh, when we did camp together for that week when C.L. and his, his wife was there, just, I don't know, just amazing to see them uh, interact and, and speak to students and the wealth of knowledge and how intelligent both of them are. But really it just comes down to they just love Jesus and, and they want people to know Jesus more and more. Um, so a little sneak peek into the future of, of our interviews um, and what's to come. So another reminder, share this podcast uh, with people. Um, hopefully it can be a blessing to you and many others. Uh, you can use, you know, Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can use our, our website, www.bedisciplespodcast.com. And you can see all of our directories on there. We are on um, iTunes, Spotify, and many other platforms for you to download our podcast. So please share and uh, hopefully bless somebody just through these conversations about uh, discipleship and really living life for Christ. Amen. 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 This show is a blessing for sure, not just for our listeners, but it's a blessing for me. Uh, what Tim shared tonight really is the heartbeat of everything we want to say and do on here. Um, it, it begins and ends with being a disciple and making a disciple.